Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, it was good to see that Tom Brady finally broke his silence about unretirement. He did that to ESPN, the worldwide leader, who basically asked him very few questions about what he really intended to do when he retired in the first place, man. Um, listen, I'm, I'm not going to wrap them too bad. Well, yes, I will, actually. Uh, this, this interview was really set up, I think, so that he could promote his uh, Brady golf wear. Uh, that's what this was about. Well, he's so got more golf wear. He's got more things to sell now. Well, you know, the thing about a clothing line is, is it's kind of like Barbie clothes. You know, you have, I mean, you basically have something for every every occasion and every event. So he has his workout stuff, and then and then he's now he's got his now he's branching into the golf stuff. He'll have his casual wear. Hell, I think before it's over, we'll probably have Brady formal wear. I don't know, um, but the clothing line is rolling out very slowly. And and not a coincidence that June first he has you know the match with Aaron Rodgers against uh, him and Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Uh, so what a perfect time to you know advertise Brady's golf wear. And so therefore he he talked to a um, you know one of ESPN's uh, uh, golf business writers, not Bob Herrig who covers golf, but a golf business writer. And I mean. Listen, he hasn't really, you know, aside from his multi-layered statement that kept shocked everybody 41 days after his retirement that said he was coming back, there wasn't a, there wasn't a whole lot of meat on this bone. I mean, there wasn't a lot of new stuff per se, and that's because no one asked him, well, you know, what about these reports about Miami and stuff? And um, that was probably, I'm guessing, either A, it was a condition of the interview, we're not going there, um, and I don't know what B would be except that, you know, maybe they asked and and he declined to answer. Although that what that wasn't in there, and I'm not wrapping them for you know if it's a condition of the interview, would you not take the interview? I don't know. I mean, that's a tough call, right? Because he just hasn't spoken at all about this. But here's what he did say, um, and and some of this is similar to what his statement was when he came out of retirement. He said, "Look, at the end of the day, I just love competition on the field," and I thought this was interesting. And last year was a very bitter ending to the season. And this is the part I like. And we've got to make a lot of corrections to try and improve ourselves in a better position and put ourselves in a better position to succeed moving forward. We have got to make a lot of corrections to try and improve and put ourselves in a better position to succeed. I wonder if one of those corrections might have been Todd Bowles taking over as head coach. You know, a lot of corrections. I mean, you did make it to the NFC divisional game. Yes, you did bring them back from a you know twenty-four point deficit, but you were, you know, a blown coverage away from possibly beating the Rams and playing San Francisco at home for the NFC championship, which I think you would have won. So, a lot of corrections. I suppose. I mean, he's a perfectionist, and and certainly he knows more that that's going on. Um. He said that after he, you know, retired February 1st, 
He had been speaking with a lot of members of the organization that he had relationships with, including Bruce Arians, he mentioned, um, and told them that he had decided that he wanted to continue playing. Um, obviously, by then, the Bucks had made it clear they didn't want to trade his rights or anything like that. And so the start of free agency is really kind of what tipped it. You know, he realized, hey, if I'm going to play, I need to I need to make this decision before all these free agents go elsewhere. Um Physically, not a surprise. He says he knows he can still play the game. He has a lot of love for the game. Um, he always will. He thinks he can still do it. But he did allow um, that the end is near. And he said, I, I know I don't have a lot left. I really, really, I do. Uh, I know I'm at the end of my career. I wish you could go on forever. It's just not that way. And football comes at a high cost. Again, he talked about his kids getting older how harder and harder it is to miss things. But he said, I wanted to give myself and my teammates and our organization another incredible opportunity to accomplish something that we'd all be very proud of, uh, a.k.a. a Super Bowl championship, obviously. So, you know, a lot of things he just didn't get around to addressing, like like the Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. uh, ownership group and all that. I, I mean, I'm not sure we learned a lot here, but I am curious about the many corrections he thinks they need to make. Well, and we've discussed this a little bit. And if you go back through the season, and, and I won't get the exact comments right, but yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't it Levante David talked about a lot of? Well, he didn't say drama, mm-hmm. but a lot of you know. He said turmoil. Turmoil. That was the term. Yeah, used, that's lot, we went through a lot of turmoil. A lot of yeah. turmoil. That. And and sometimes you wonder. Mm-hmm. You won this Lombardi Trophy. Probably ahead of what you one year ahead of thought. what they thought they yeah. would. Yeah, you brought mm-hmm. everybody back, all twenty-two starters, right? But were they all fully engaged and ready to come back in the way that Tom Brady would be? To me, if I'm hearing him saying we need to make a lot of corrections, it's probably in the fact that not everyone may have been fully bought in, and and not that they they didn't try or care, but. Are you as hungry after you've won one? I think that's a fair point. I, I think it's, I, you know, for Tom Brady, who's who has an insatiable appetite. I mean, he, he won six. He wanted seven. Mm-hmm. He's got seven. He wants eight. He's the guy who stole this from his equipment guy at Michigan. What's my favorite ring? The next one. Mm-hmm. That, that's all he cares about. He looks forward, not backwards. It's human nature, right, to, mm-hmm. to sit back and enjoy the meal. You know, I mean, these guys... I mean, remember now, this is a franchise that had not even been to the playoffs in 12 years, right? They, did, they didn't even know what the postseason was. So for, for many of these guys, if not the majority of them for sure, except for the Gronks and some of the guys that came over, they had never even experienced mm-hmm. what postseason football was. And here they go and they win a Super Bowl. They win a Lombardi Trophy. Oh, and not only that, they did it in their home stadium. They tore a piece of history with them. So, yeah, I, I think... I think it's fair to question, you know, was everybody as hungry as Tom Brady, which is impossible to begin with. But, you know, they didn't know what it was like to defend one of these. They didn't know what it was like to have that target on their back. And, and, I mean, most people aren't wired like Tom Brady. No, of course not. And that's what makes him the GOAT. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, I wonder if, and and there's been reports of the, the rift between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, and I don't believe it's a huge rift based on things you've reported and other things and just 
just knowing how Tom works and, and Bruce works in that too. But it doesn't mean that Tom didn't think that Bruce Arians maybe didn't push the right buttons or worked them as hard as they should have this season. It's a bunch of veterans that all came back to you know from winning a Super Bowl, and and that's not Brady's work. Maybe that's part of it. And this is me speculating, but you know the thing, the corrections may be the way we practice, the way how hard we worked in the off season, or some of the the off days and, and things like that. That you know maybe Tom doesn't think it was run exactly right, and and whether it's you know he wanted Todd Bowles or but maybe. You know, a change is good in his mind. Um, and, yeah. and I don't, you know, like I said, this is me speculating, but a lot no, of guys on the team had never experienced playoffs, let alone Super right. Bowl. And it's it's easy to kind of, nah, you know, we won it, we're good. You kind of read your press clippings, and maybe you don't lift that extra weight one day mm-hmm. a week in the off season, or you don't run quite as far, or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, you know. Well, and you made the right point right there about the offseason. I think a lot of it is sort of how you approach what happens. When you win a Super Bowl, and I've talked to the guys back in 02, it's like, what happened to that team, right? Like, they were they were poised to win several, you know? Um, and when you talk to Warren Sapp and others, they say, look, man, it was everybody for themselves after we won that Super Bowl in 02. It was like, who can get a radio show? Who can get an endorsement? Um you know, Warren Sapp told me, he goes, we, we were focused on anything but football. Like, it was everybody for themselves at that point. I'm not sure that that was the case last year in terms of, like, you know, all 53 players went crazy. But I would say this, Devin White had a busy offseason that had nothing to do with football. They did a movie about his life. He did a bunch of endorsements. Um. I don't know if he came back in the best of shape. I, I don't know that he that he did or he didn't, but I, I sense that he probably wasn't uh, in, in as great a shape as he had been prior to that. I know this. He didn't play well. Uh, you know, I had him pegged as a defensive of the year candidate. If Devin White had been the guy he was in the postseason, if he had started the year last year that way, they'd probably win more games and get the number one seed. And, and, and Devin will admit to you that was not his best year. It should have been, Okay. Um, you know, he really arrived in the postseason. He should have built on that, and he didn't. And and opportunities come to guys, and there's no way you're going to have the same hunger or off. Your priorities change. You mean, and you can't fault a professional athlete or anyone for taking advantage of their of their platform. You know, of their opportunities because they're going to fly at you if you're a Super Bowl champ. That's all part of being uh, a professional athlete. But some guys handle it better than others, you know, and some guys are older than others. And I don't know that the hunger was there. I, I mean, I don't – listen, nobody jaked it out there. They had no. a lot of injuries. I think the story of the season were the injuries. I don't think they mm-hmm. were very well equipped to handle all, the, all all that defensive back. They certainly weren't equipped to handle it all at receiver. And there were some things I think he didn't like what Bruce did. One of them – and I haven't talked to him about this um, – the whole Antonio Brown thing left a bad taste in, in in Tom's mouth, and I mean, not just because of Bruce, but because of Antonio. You know, crying for the football at halftime of that Jets game, um, but the way Bruce Arians really summarily fired him at halftime, um, essentially, and he was off the team. You know, uh, before they got to the locker room, I think that I, I mean. Regard whatever you think of Antonio Brown, combustible, 
um, low character, like whatever, whatever adjective you want to apply to him, negative or otherwise, the one thing he was was a weapon. Tom Brady needed weapons, okay? He needed weapons to beat the Los Angeles Rams. And he didn't have Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown, when he played, was really, really good. And so, you know, however that happened, whether he agreed with Bruce, I tend to think that he wished it had been handled different. Now, he's never said that. He probably never will. And, in fact, Brown took took Brady out, you know, after uh, he was fired and said, well, Tom just wanted me to help him win Super Bowl. Well, duh. Of course he did. Um, but Tom also genuinely cares about his teammates. And he, he also threw he you could. a bunch of pop passes to get you the bonus. The there year you go. And right. You don't think he was going to do that again this year? Yeah, of course he would have. And, you know, the thing that rankled Brown, I, I still say, and look, I had a hand in this. I, you know, I, I wrote the stories uh, about the fake vax cards. He got suspended three games. Two of those he wouldn't have played because he was hurt. But what it did was it put some of his performance bonuses in jeopardy. And he asked the team when he came back, to guarantee them. And they said no. And he probably would have made most of, not all of them anyway, but it put him in a jar. His attitude was different. Coaches told me he's not the same guy. You know what I mean? He's just not. He, he was churlish. He was, he, you know, he wasn't focused. He, he just, you know, seemed, seemed angry all the time. Like, he just wasn't that guy. And so however that went down, like, you know, if you're Tom Brady and you're trying to find valuable weapons and you've lost Mike Evans and Chris Godwin down the stretch and Godwin's out for the year and you're, you know, you're winning games by throwing a Bashard Perriman um, and such, it, it, you know, you probably really did wish that had gone down a different way. And I don't know that you're putting the blame on Bruce or somebody else, but so those are the kinds of things that would have upset him along with the fact that, listen, um, and Bruce makes no bones about this. He gives all the credit to his coaches and rightfully so. He was a CEO of this team, um, and he set the tone wonderfully, and they won a Super Bowl because of it, and they battled COVID, and he was the guy to make sure that no one got infected, and they, they had to beat the virus before they could beat anybody else. That was all Bruce is doing. Um, but I think Tom's used to having his head coach more engaged, more engaged on a day-to-day basis, not just driving around in a golf cart, not just speaking up in team meetings, but you know, actually taking a, a role in game planning uh, more than Bruce did. And the one thing we know about Bowles, even though he's, you know, for starters, he's going to call the defense. He's got two co-defensive coordinators, but he's calling the defense. Oh, and he's also going to be in the offensive meeting rooms. He's going to engage with Tom. Um, You know, know, he's going to be hands-on and more the style that Brady is used to. And he comes from that Bill Parcells tree, like Bill Belichick. He learned the defense. He learned a lot about football in Dallas when he joined Parcells, and then Parcells brought him to Miami and he Tony Sperano. So there are some carryovers, but I just thought it was interesting. Like, you know, we, we had a lot of corrections we need to make. Well, we'll see what they are um, because essentially they got a lot of the same players back. And, and you know, we'll get into the draft later this week, and, and um, I'll tell you a little bit of what Jason Light said. But, um, yeah, it – Again, not a lot of revelations, but it was the first time that he has spoken since he unretired, and we still don't have any clue uh, what his plans were uh, with respect to you know his life after football and if that involved the Dolphins in any way because, frankly, ESPN either didn't, couldn't, or, or chose not to ask him. So 
Um, whenever we get Tom Brady, and I would suspect that the soonest would be the mandatory mini camp, probably more likely training camp. Uh, maybe we'll get a chance to ask, and that doesn't mean he'll answer. But uh, it was, uh, you know, it's an interesting story. You can check it out on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Also on Tuesday, Jason Light, the Bucks GM, gave his uh, State of the Bucks draft press availability, uh, availability and, and um, here's what we get, gathered from it. I was correct. They could move up. They could move down. They could stay right where they're at. Um, they picked 27th, and, and you know even Jason says, look, uh, there's just a lot of waiting around. I mean, it could be four hours on, on uh, next Thursday. Um that they're sitting there waiting for the 27th pick to, to roll around. Now they have made a lot of trades in the past. And you can check this out on tampabay.com story. I wrote, you know, Jason light, I think he's made 13 trades um, during his tenure here as GM, nine of them. He moved up four of them. He moved down the most memorable, probably, I mean, other than Tristan Wirfs, who he moved up to get, which was genius on his part, getting an all pro left tackle, but he also remembers the day that they, they dropped from 7 to 12 mm-hmm. uh, to take Vita Vea. And what was interesting about that is, I mean, Vea was like that guy that they were moving oh, down for, and they just weren't really sure he would still be there. And so they're counting down, you know, seven's a long way, eight, nine, ten. Um, and I guess they let out quite a bit of a yelp uh, when they did, in fact, get Vita Vea. What, what is maybe, you know, not remembered about that is that the Buffalo Bills are the team that traded with them from 12 to 7 and gave up two second round picks to do so. Oh, and they took a guy named Josh Allen. (laughs) Um, Now, you know, revisionist history, Jameis Winston was entering his third season, right? So they had invested a number one overall pick in him just two years prior to that, Mm -hmm. or three years prior to that. So they weren't ready to give up on Jameis, but oh my... And Buffalo got ripped for that. A lot of people thought yeah, that they was did. taken way too high. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, coming out of a smaller school and all of that. But, boy, you'd make that deal in a heartbeat. I know a you? certain big-time Bills fan that was hated that pick and now loves Josh Allen. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Cigar Dave? Uh, that would be correct. <laughs> yeah. I bet he loves it. <laughs> if it weren't for some of the overtime rules, they'd they'd have a Super Bowl already. Look, they, they could have gone last year. I I thought last year was going to be their year, but it's coming. It's coming for sure. Um, so, you know, Jason, like what I wrote about in the Tampa Bay Times is sort of how the status of uh, Indomitian Sue and Rob Gronkowski uh, could affect the Bucks draft greatly. And I think they're, they're, I think they're two different situations for sure. Um, you know, with Gronk, I, I think he intended to retire after Brady did retire. And then Brady kind of threw him and everybody else for a loop by coming back. And I don't think that Gronk has feels any sort of pressure to make a decision before he's ready. If he's made one in his mind, I, I don't know. 
Um, but he's not going to participate in the OTAs. And for that matter, hell, he might not even want to go to the mandatory minicamp. Uh, I do think Brady is very persuasive, but it didn't stop Gronk from retiring once before. So it's not a slam dunk. But the fact that he's not signed now, I think what will be telling is, and they almost have to address it either way, uh, you know, the Bucks have to get a tight end because they've got two on the roster right now. Uh, Cody uh, McElroy and, and Cameron Bray. Neither one of those guys are inline blockers. And even if you got Gronk back, right, he's only probably going to play another year. Uh, so you, you've got to replenish the position. You need at least four probably on the roster, the regular season roster, more than that for training camp. So they have to address the tight end position. But with Gronk, I, 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 you know, I think they have to do it anyway. And, and they may have a better idea personally than what they're sharing as to what his ultimate plans are, if he's clued them in at all. But that'll be, that'll be interesting to watch because there's some tight ends in this draft that they could be interested in. And then the, the other one is Ndamukong Sue. I think the fact that they have not signed Ndamukong Sue is a tell. And what I mean by that is, A, he's not going to play for free. You know, he's an 8 or $9 million a year guy the last three years that they've had him. Uh, he came out after Todd Bowles was hired and said, you know, hey, you might be one player short there or whatever, uh, sort of lobbying to get back with the Bucks, which I think he'd like to be. But I think the fact that they haven't signed him, from what I've heard anyway, they want to get younger at that defensive tackle position. They did re-sign Will Golston, who can play a lot of those same roles that Sue did. Um, but why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you sign Sue in advance of the draft? Well, because the best player staring at you might be a defensive tackle. And if you go that way, um, you know, then you have to, again, kind of clear the space for him to play. Uh, you don't want him sitting behind. This is not a situation with Joe Tryon last year and Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, you're trying to win this year. You're not interested in green bananas. And, and that's why I think you know, Brady's return sort of changes a little bit of the immediacy is like, you know, normally you're like, hey, let's do our draft. And, and you know, for the first year, if we can find a guy that can kind of help us and while he develops, that's cool. And maybe in two or three years, he'll be a starter. Um, maybe he'll be a starter the first year. But there wasn't that sort of immediacy uh, with last year's draft. I think it's all right there now. I mean, I think they, they can't afford to have, say, for example, a Jalen Darden in this draft um, where you're expecting him to be a major contributor as a kick returner receiver, and he just doesn't show up. You can't swing and miss if, if you've got Tom Brady for one more year. Um, so in a way, weird way, I think that, you know, um, there is an urgency to, to sort of what they do. And and defensive tackle is a huge need, and, and there might be one down there at, at 27 that they take. And I just think they simply want to wait and see, you know, hey, if we get our guy, um, we're going to say goodbye to Ndamukong Su. He's going to be 35 years old, or he is 35. And, you know, terrific player, Hall of Fame player, whatever. But I think they're they're ready to move on from that. If they don't address that position early, then, then maybe Sue then gets everything that he's commanding right now. But it's going to be post-draft, and I think what they do will affect, um, you know, sort of how they handle those two guys. Although, like I said, they need four tight ends. They've only got two on the roster, so they got to address that. Uh, you were at the Tampa Bay Lightning game against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I thought maybe they might be looking a little bit ahead in this game. 
Um, but well, not in the first off. period. The first well, no, period, they, they opened they played very great. Well. I mean, they didn't yeah, they, score. It was 0-0. But, zero. Mm-hmm. but they dominated. I mean, Detroit barely touched the puck in the first yeah. period. Um, yeah. The Lightning controlled all the possession, most of the shots on goal, and you felt really good. You uh, you felt like, hey, you know, Detroit was going – it really felt like Detroit was going through the motions in the first period. Just, well, it, they're out it, of the playoffs, seven, mm-hmm. six games to go, whatever it is. And, yeah. you know, we're just kind of playing out the string here. And, Which is what those teams do. Mm-hmm. And and I thought the Pat Maroon hit on Lindstrom right at the end of the first period. Yeah. Perfectly clean hit, legit hit. Detroit didn't react. They didn't go after Maroon. You know, I mean, they, they it was a it was a – a textbook check. But I think it woke Detroit up. Mm. I think they win that intermission and were a little ticked off and, you know, kind of the way they played, but it was also like, we're not going to push around, you know, we're not going to, and I I think they came out in the second period a lot better. Now, maybe part of it was just the way they played the first period. They didn't like that and would have come out regardless of it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was another one of those games where there wasn't much hitting at all. And the Lightning just keep making mistakes. Particularly uh, Mikhail Sergachev tonight. Two uh, two giveaways that led to breakaway goals. And, you know, this is not a singular game situation for him over this stretch that's been at, at best sort of up and down, mostly down. He He's played that way. And, and Cooper said after the game he doesn't understand why guys, namely Sergachev, he didn't call him out by name, but... Um, that have played as long as they have together and have won what they've won would suddenly be making these mistakes. These these are these are unavoidable errors. Um, you're, you're putting your goaltender in a terrible position. You know, Vasilevsky, obviously they're trying to rest him a little bit and um, sort of, you know, save him for the postseason and, and get him as, as healthy as possible but still play him the majority, I guess. And, and you're just not doing the guy any favors, man. I mean, like... I know they played a great first period. Um, they didn't score, but they played a really good first period. But when you look up at the scoreboard and you're trailing Detroit three to one, and the other night you were trailing um, a, a not a the very Jets, not very two good nothing, four Winnipeg two. team four to two, going you know with with a few minutes left in the second. Look in the playoffs, you cannot start games that way. Hell, in the postseason. I don't know what the percentage is, but the team that scores first wins a hell of a lot of them, you know. So you can't afford to be down at home or on the road in the postseason. And this team, you look up and it's like, ah, here they go. They got to dig themselves out of a four-two hole, or you know. And and spectacularly, they did it the other night and wound up going away. They won five straight goals and they won seven to four, um, but they weren't able to trench their way out of this one. Well, they did. They and got it tied to 3-3. Three, three. They got it to 3-3. Three, three, and then Sergachev and made another. Sergachev makes the turnover, yeah. And and when you have guys like Kucherov and Sergachev and, and guys that have high skill and are creative and can make plays, they're going to give some turnovers. They're going to have giveaways. You're going to have mistakes. I mean, that's just the nature of when you're making the moves they make. But there are times to make the moves and times not to. Mm-hmm. When you're at your own blue line, you're the last guy back. That's not the time to dangle the puck and let it get stolen. If you know, it's it's understanding when to take those chances and when not to. And 
you know, the Lightning have players that have been playing along, as Cooper said, long enough that they should know better. You know, we remember a few years ago, Kucherov got benched because he had two turnovers at the blue line that led to goals. Well, and it might be time to do that with Sergachev. I mean, I don't know how else you get guys' attention because he's right. They shouldn't be doing it. They played at the highest level. They won back-to-back Stanley Cups. They know the formula. They know the mm-hmm. process that they talk about. And if they're not going to play the right way, then I don't, I don't know what options you have. Um, but it, it just keeps biting them on the butt. No way. Steve, there's no way they should lose to that Detroit team. As you said, had nothing to play for at all. Well, and, and you know, considering if you look at the course of the game, they, they all played Detroit in that game. I mean, they had a four-minute stretch to give up the three goals, and, and yeah. one of those was a Sergeyev turnover, and then the, the fourth goal, and the game winner, ended up being a Sergeyev turnover. But, yeah, the way they play, I mean, and, and the frustrating part for Lightning fans and granted, these games don't really matter right now or mean much. So whether this carries over in the playoffs or they can flip a switch. Flip a and, switch. And, you know, and they did it last year. So I, I, I'm not saying they can't do it this year. But the frustrating part is you're starting to see the last week or two some really good things in their game. And you're, you're starting to see, you know, locking down defensively better and the way they played in the first period and the way they played the whole second half of the Winnipeg game. Well, and Kucherov has come alive. Mm-hmm. He's scoring goals. Yeah. You're starting to see that stuff, but then you get multiple turnovers to Detroit to lead to uh, you know unassisted breakaways. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's frustrating as as a Lightning fan. And, and I under you know, I think you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Still, I mean, the loss tonight probably means that they're going to open on the road in the playoffs. Yeah, they were fighting for a position. They got Toronto yeah. next. They're still. They still have a shot to to host the first round games. I mean, they're not going to catch Florida, uh, right. but you know, but most likely now they're I think they're eight points behind Toronto with a game in hand. Mm-hmm. So, but you're so you're probably going to start on the road in the playoffs, which they did last year. The Lightning have no problem doing that. The question no. is, is can you cut out those mistakes as you're getting down to crunch time? I mean, we're down to six games left for the Lightning. Let me ask you this, because I. I, and I really don't know the answer to this, but like I totally get, and I heard an interview with John Cooper before the game from the skate around. I heard that on the radio, talking about you know trying to keep Vasilevsky as keep him as fresh as possible mm-hmm. for the postseason and mm-hmm. giving him nights off, and you know still trying to you know kind of thread the needle between mm-hmm. um, keeping him in his rhythm, but also recognizing that you hope to go deep in the playoffs. And, and so now's, now's the last best time mm-hmm. to sort of give him a break. Um, I don't know that Veslevsky's playing with a lot of great confidence right now. And maybe it's because he's not confident in the guys in front of him because guys like Sergachev and them are turning it over. I'm still seeing some goals that and, – and we've come to expect what he, the bar that he has set, which is incredibly high. But I'm seeing – I still occasionally see these goals that I think, mm, I, that's not what Vassy usually does. You know, like even if there's the occasional turnover, he'll stone somebody. And now everything's going in the back of the net. I, I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's just kind of tired. Um, there is something that's not the same in my – just to my naked eye. I have nothing mm-hmm. to base this on, nothing at all. But he's, But there's – but he's not playing with the sort of confidence 
Mm-hmm. And and it might have to do everything with the guys in front of him aren't playing well. You know that might be why he looks sort of out of out of out of sync. Um, what I, I look I, at more than the goals, you know, and like you know, some of those tonight's were breakaways and just great yeah. shots by the other team. I mean, you know, they're coming at such speed you can't cover the whole net. They pick a you know a tiny corner and, and get it through you. Sure, sure. The ones that concern me with Vazzy. Because the one thing I think we've seen more of late that isn't typical for him, there's a lot more rebounds. Yes, yes. Like, he normally eats up so that the puck doesn't – I mean, that's what that's what he does uh, – I'm not going to say he does best of, of anyone because – He does it really well. I, I think some of his athleticism is just freakish in the in Yeah, yeah, but that's true. he does not allow a lot of rebounds. Like, right. you better beat him clean. Yep. Yep. You better beat him on the first shot because he's not going to. But lately, it sure seems like there's more rebounds being given up. Mm-hmm. He's not securing the puck. It's not, and and I, don't, I have no idea if it's if it's just mental fatigue, physical fatigue, something yeah. else. I, I have no idea, but it's something that we're not used to seeing from Basilewski. I mean, yeah, we've seen games where sink. he gives up goals, and, and particularly when the defense in front of him isn't playing well. I mean, that mm-hmm. happens to goalies. You know, a couple nights ago when he got pulled in that game, I mean, those were three tip shots. There's nothing he could do about you those. You can't three. do anything about a tip shot. I mean, right. that, not one goal in that game was you sit there and go, uh-oh, I'm Bazzi. I mean, you know, no. those are three beautiful tips. But it does seem lately there's more rebounds being given up, and that does concern me some because you start going, okay, wh- what is it? You know, is it just just what he's going through now or is it just really good shots that are harder to control or they're getting more traffic in front or is it the defense isn't getting him out of the way enough so there's that traffic you know there's lots of things that could be affecting it but that's one thing when when you start seeing more rebounds particularly you know right in front of Vasilevsky you know he's pretty good at angling it all the way out to the boards and getting Mm -hmm. out of harm's way on, on shots he can't catch or you know stop but when you see more rebounds right in front of him in the crease or just outside the crease, that's when you start going. That's not typical, Vassy. Yeah, I, and again, I I don't I don't know how to explain it. He just doesn't look like you know the same mm-hmm. confident guy. And, and 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 again, he set the bar for himself. We we see these breakaways and we see him make these phenomenal stops, and he's still capable of it. Um, but there's been the occasional on like goal that's been put up too. And, and and all I know is that if you're giving up four or five goals a night, you have a tough time winning, yep. man. You're not going to do that in postseason. Now, Vazzy, sure. you know, Cooper basically said, he said, don't hold him to it, but Vazzy's going to get the game Thursday against Toronto. Toronto, yeah. He's going to get Sunday at Florida. So Elliott right. will take Thursday, or um, Saturday against Nashville. And then presumably Elliott's going to get two of the three games next week. So I would guess Elliott takes Tuesday – against Columbus at home. Vazzy gets the Thursday at Columbus. And Elliott would get the Friday at the Islanders. So of the six games left, I think Elliott's going to get three of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope that's enough to keep him in rhythm. There is a rest versus rust sort of, um, you know, There is. But if you are fatigued, whether physically or mentally, then the rest is more important than the rust. Yeah, that's true. And if they're really not going to do a whole lot with their you know their playoff position right now anyway so but yeah you just if you'd have told me there i just felt like they're gonna they're gonna pumble detroit i don't know why um well vasilevsky was undefeated against detroit 
Well, yeah, that's there's a good reason. And then the other reason was that, you know, the last game I saw, they scored five uncontested, you know, five straight goals unanswered against uh, the Winnipeg Jets. And I thought, okay, well, you know, bad period here or there, but like these guys are sort of starting to starting to feel it. Um, there was some physicality in that game that you liked. I don't know. It's like one step back, one step forward, two step backs. They they still got some games left to, to try to get that momentum going, but um, these are not, these are not, anyone can beat anybody, but these are not the games you lose. You know what I mean? Like, come on, you got Detroit at home. Don't give the puck away once mm-hmm. or let alone twice. Don't put your goaltender in that situation. Don't be scrapping down three to one, uh, tying it up and then giving it away. It, it just, it's frustrating and it's gotta be frustrating for them, but they also know that they still have time to, you know, play a couple good games, get a little momentum, and all that really matters at the end of the day is is how they play in the postseason. None of this is – we're not going to look back and go, wow, remember that game they lost to Detroit? It's just not going to be something that we focus on. Remember how bad they were at the end of last season. Oh, they weren't good at all going into the postseason, yeah. They, they turn it on, and that's what champions do. So, Meanwhile, uh, speaking of champions, we'll end on this. The, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays – uh, we got a, a, a nice win over the Chicago Cubs with a whole bunch of pitching effort uh, that they had to kind of spackle together. Uh, but they beat the Cubs. I think that the final was 6-5, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Uh, Wander Franco, uh, you know, there was some concern. He was held out of the lineup the night before. A little bit of a quad strain. They gave him the night off. Well, it didn't hurt his swing because he goes three for five with a blast of a home run uh, right-handed. And then, of course, Switch hitting as he does. He also had a double. Um, this guy's batting over 400. I'm going to say something. And if he stays healthy, if Wander Franco stays healthy, if he doesn't miss an extended period of time, I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to win a batting title. He's going to. He might win it this year. And maybe that doesn't mean a lot to people. Like, what's a batting title? Like, it's more about home runs and RBIs and OPS and all that. He'll have those too. But this cat. Like, when he's seeing the ball right, he barrels up everything. His outs are loud. They're screamers. Like, they had the shift on one time. He hit, like, a bullet to the guy in right field, you know, and it goes down as, as you know, four to three. Um, he's just such a good player, and and they needed all of that. And then some they, – they finally got the bats out a little bit, um, you know, on Tuesday night. And listen, it's still cold in Chicago. I think it was, like, you know, warmed up. Oh, it's warmed up. It's a nice day. It was 40. 40 with a wind blowing like hell. So they're still bundled up in the seats. These guys are outside for the first time in the in a year, and they're playing, you know, in Chicago, first at the White Sox and now at Wrigley. Um, man, I, I I know what it feels like to try to play in that, that stuff, not very often, but um, it's not baseball weather. It's football weather. And at least, you know, they're back to 500. They have a chance to win that series today. Uh, that would be a, a big boost for them. And then they're they're on to Boston, of course, a big AL East rival, and you know we'll see how they do there. The, the weather's not great up there either, um, but it was a it was a nice bounce back win, I thought, for the for the race. Well, and and at the end of the day, you're a half game out of the division. That's all. Granted, That's a, yeah, the other three teams that you're competing with are all the half game ahead of you, but yeah, so you right. know, it, it's okay to get off to a six and six start if the other teams if everybody else are way is ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're Absolutely. you're not losing any ground at this point as you're trying to nope. find yourself. And you're you know, the cold weather games, the look, the White Sox are a really good team. 
They're they're going to win that division. They're a very good you team. Know, You'll so see them again. Yeah. Take, losing two out of three to them wasn't, you know, nope. isn't it's something you're you know upset about. Uh, the Cubs are okay team. You'd like to take two or three from them, mm-hmm. but it's on the road. It's in the cold. All that. Uh, the race, uh, you know, they're trying to navigate through pitching right now yeah. because of all the injuries. Yeah, and you know, some of the bats need to wake up still. It, it's the defense that bothers me the most so far this season. That you just don't yeah. like seeing routine plays getting booted, and and you know, I don't anticipate that continuing all season long. They're too no, they, they're too good defensively to do that. They played a much cleaner game, both defensively and on the bases. And um, I thought they were aggressive yeah. when they needed to be, and they pushed the envelope. But yeah. base um, running's was, always been an issue on this team. But I know they between the <laughs> outs, they, I mean, the outs they run into is just incredible. But um, but yeah, and, and you know what? And Chicago came back and made it a really tight game. And uh, hey, hats off to Andrew Kittrich, who, by the way, I you know there are dudes you see with a beard. Like I remember Fitz. Remember when Ryan Fitzpatrick shaved his beard when he was here one year? Mm-hmm. Like he literally shaved, and it was like, "Who are you?" Like they look so different without that that sort of trademark. To me, that's Andrew Kittredge right now. I don't. I if he didn't have the same exact mannerisms on the on the mound and through the same way, I swear to you, I wouldn't know it was the same guy. He just looks so different to me. It's funny what that can do. But Kittredge was terrific. I mean, you know, he can. They could put that dude. They can start him. They can put him in the middle of the, of the game. They can put him at seventh inning in a high leverage spot. And, and in this game, he closed it out. He pitched multiple innings. I think he pitched the eighth and the ninth inning. And was was just he's just so good. Like, he is he's their dude in the bullpen. Just man. steady. Oh, phenomenal. Like, he's Strike just consistent. Thrower. He's just consistent. Yeah. yeah. You, you know. got to beat him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's terrific. So, so the Rays will play. They'll wrap up that series today in Chicago. Um We'll, of course, have more on the Bucks and uh, the draft, which is uh, now just a little over a week away. It's hard to believe that it's almost here. They pick 27th. I'll wait about four hours before they make that choice, unless unless Jason Light moves up, which he has done in the past. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, what do they got? They got uh, Toronto at home. Toronto coming up, yeah. It's a tough stretch. They get Toronto at home, Nashville at home, and at Florida mm. the next three. So those are three playoff teams at this point. No, that's uh, good. They Nashville hasn't clinched yet, but they're in a playoff spot currently. Yeah, yeah, that'll be good. Hey, send in your uh, mailbag questions. We'll get to those. Uh, you can do that online. Uh, send them to us on Twitter if you want to at SportsDayTB at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay dot com. For Steve Burstyn, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 